Hello and welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate. I'm Dr. Hannah Stoles, Director of the Wheaton College Center for Faith and Innovation and Professor of Marketing and Supply Chain Management. I'm here today with my co-host F.T. Chong, who's Head of Private Capital at Pinebridge Investments. Um, this podcast is intended for conversations about the integration of faith with practical tips for faith decision-making in everyday business. Welcome to episode five. In this episode, we are delighted to welcome Dr. Wesley Burks, Dean of the UNC School of Medicine, Vice Chancellor for Medical Affairs, and CEO of the UNC Healthcare. Dr. Burks has spent the last 30 years taking care of patients, conducting research, and helping to educate trainees and leading institutions. He joined UNC Chapel Hill in 2011 as Physician-in-Chief of North Carolina's Children's Hospital. And he was named the chair of the Department of Pediatrics in 2012, as well as a Kernan Distinguished Professor of Pediatrics. Uh, recently in 2015, he was named Executive Dean of the UNC School of Medicine, during which time he oversaw the school's focus on rural initiatives, diversity and admissions, and primary care education, which is now ranked first in the country. So our conversation today with Dr. Burke will be about the role of faith in navigating COVID-19 with um, practical tips to live out our faith in healthcare and in our work environments, wherever it is that we're called. Um, so Dr. Burke will share with us today about how his faith informs his identity and has guided him through uh, managing the leading healthcare and medical education organization in the U.S. today. Um, FT, could you uh, maybe start us today by uh, talking about, you know, how faith plays a role in work and particularly in the amazing career that Dr. Burke has had before sure. we delve in to those yeah. challenges and opportunities that he's facing right now. Thank you very much. And we started this as a, to encourage Christians who are out there in the workplace and feel like sometimes, hey, I'm the only person in my, in my field or in my company or in my uh, uh, environment who is a Christian and we thought it would be encouraging for them to hear from people who are senior, play senior roles in organizations who are Christians. So uh, I guess we will start with faith and then we'll move towards what's happening today. Uh, and so the background is to what extent uh, faith has played a role over the years uh, in your career identity um, over the past few decades. So first, Hannah and FT, thank you for the opportunity to join you. I, I appreciate the time uh, in preparation for it and then just the time to talk with you today. For me and my faith, it's central to who I am and everything that I do. I've said many times that my personal relationship is who I am. That's what I'm called to do. And out of that calling, then that's why I do the work that I do. So it, that that relationship is central to everything I do, whether it's with my wife or my kids, uh, my extended family or my work, it all comes out of my relationship with God. Yeah, and you've been a believer most of your adult life. Where did you come, come to be a believer? Yeah, that's a good question. I grew up in a Christian home. I became a Christian personally in fourth grade. And uh, certainly, I uh, hope I'm at a different maturation level now than I was certainly in my teenage years. Uh, but that's, that's when I became a Christian. Yeah, wow, that's great. Um, 
I became a Christian at 36, so I had to uh, endure a lot before getting there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different, different path. Um, I'll ask this question and then Hannah, you can take the next one. But what role, uh, so the past six months has been, wow, I needed faith. I don't know how people survive without it, but what role has faith played in your, your work, your leadership in the past six months? Just like you alluded to, uh, I think it would be, um, would have been really difficult, if not impossible, without my faith for the last six months. If you'd, we'd talked a year ago and you said, this is what's going to happen in the next six months and that's how it's going to play out. It would have been a science fiction book that nobody would have believed. But, it, but the, the, the faith that I have in God in the realization that I'm a child of God, that nothing can separate me from that love at all, whether it's whatever it might be, financial, personal, physical, anything like that, nothing can separate me from God's love, then that's a really different viewpoint to face what's going on right now than if your persona, your person is wrapped up in what you do and the success or the lack of success in what you do. I, I've spent more time with God in the last six months, and that's a good thing. I, I, I feel bad when I say that, that out of a pandemic, that there are, but there are actually good things that have come out yeah, of it. Absolutely. Our church had put together a book, 40 Days with the Psalms for Lent, just happened before the pandemic started, and mm -hmm. I'm on my fifth time through it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, a morning time, a noon time, an evening time, multiple times uh, on the weekend. Uh, that grounding uh, is central to how I'm dealing with what's going on at work. Uh, we've also often used at work uh, the analogy of you're on a plane and something happens and they ask you to put on your oxygen mask first. That analogy for years never made sense to me. It just didn't feel good. It felt selfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 over time, I understood it, but that's really how we, I feel now that the, not that it's an oxygen mask, but the grounding that I have, the centrality to my relationship with God, and knowing that nothing can separate that, it allows me to walk through each day with the multitude of decisions that are being made uh, without too much turbulence. Yeah, and there's, that, a, there's it, turbulence, it, but it's not huge. Yeah, and that's, an, that's a piece of, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, armor that we have, yeah. uh, both the Word of God and His Holy Spirit to be with us. and throughout the day, right? And, and uh, we absorb the word and the Holy Spirit is, is walking with us. I don't know how non-believers are getting through this. And that's part of, I think, what we see in happening in the world today. People are going crazy. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, and it's like a perfect storm of stress for leaders, especially. It, it gives us plenty of opportunities to be more observant, uh, to listen more. Uh, particularly to have a lot more grace in how we live our life. It's a, it's a unique opportunity that we've been afforded that is ultimately there, there can be good things that come out of that. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that has come out of this pandemic, you know, with FT and I being in conversation is actually this podcast itself, um, because there is this realization that um, sometimes we need reminders that nothing separates us from the love of God, like you said. And, you know, we, we have to kind of keep circling back to that when we face different challenges every day, you know, FT's challenges in 
um, New York in finance and you know my challenges as an educator at Wheaton College look very different from yours um, running a large healthcare network and educational um, school during a global pandemic and I, I wonder you know as we talk what are what are the biggest challenges that you're facing in the healthcare industry right now um, you know and, and what does that look like as you lean into the love of God yeah, so, so our goal really since mid-March has been to prepare and then take care of increasing numbers of patients that had COVID-19 and also take care of each other uh, in a really safe way so that, um, the big picture challenges that's built on healthcare in general that was rapidly changing starting a few years ago. And that evolvement, this just got added to that in pretty catastrophic ways. So the physical challenges that we chase or that, that we're looking at are actually taking care of patients is much more difficult with the personal protective equipment, uh, with the emotions that are with that. So in healthcare, we all signed up to help take care of patients. That's part of what we were to do. Yeah. But it's never really been that I'm concerned about my personal health or the health of my family and friends. And so there's this voice in the back of all of our heads as you work, like, am I going to get it? One. And two, am I going to get it and then give it to someone else in my family? Yeah. And that the emotions of that in addition to normal work are pretty significant. And then adding on top of that, the personal financial difficulties, the childcare issues for a significant portion of our 30,000 coworkers, these, the things that have happened in our culture, the social unrest, yeah. the lack of justice, all that's kind of a perfect storm. That's what we're just like, y'all are in your different spaces, we're dealing with the same things that are magnified because of the healthcare that we provide. It's incredible because the physical discomfort of putting, putting all the, the gear on and leaving it on for the whole shift is, is just, I cannot even imagine because having a little mass is, is uncomfortable enough just walking around. Yeah, so I have huge admiration for those particularly here that are working in the intensive care units. You know, they're, they have hats and shields and masks and it's hot and it's uncomfortable. And then they're taking care of a patient and they have that voice going, be careful, be careful. You don't yeah. want to catch this. You don't want to give this to your family. Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, um, has that uh, changed or opened up more avenues for prayer? Do the, do the medical professionals pray in their own break rooms or whatever? Do you see a little bit more of that? Uh, the, the, there are, yes, that's true. The one thing that is significant in lots of different ways is the lack of personally seeing people. That most of the people that work here that don't take care of patients haven't been to work since March. Yeah. So I happen to be at work because I, it, I need to to do the things that I do. But yeah. a significant number of people haven't been to work, and so you can't see them. The people that you see are masked like this, and all you can see are their eyes. And we need everything to be able to get feedback and how people are doing. Yeah. And so most of the most of what I've seen people for five months has been like this on a zoom call. I call it my mm -hmm. Hollywood squares. And so I, people are dealing with the 
issues personally and professionally in all different ways. Uh, the one thing that we have known at work, both in the group that people, the uh, 15 people I work with a lot, and in, in the larger group, is to consistently ask about how people are doing that mm -hmm. would have been felt intrusive before. And then we have a huge number of systems that we set up for people to reach out to get care, emotional, behavioral care. Uh, we have hotlines, we have information, we have people on call all the time that we've never done that before. So those opportunities that come up for each of us individually are really different. And the opportunities to help people, the people that we work with, the, our colleagues, coworkers are way different than they would have been six months ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, if you, six months ago, if I, uh, if you have, you know, with hindsight, would you have done anything different uh, on March? I don't know when it started here, March yeah. 15 for me in New York City. If, if the middle of March, when we, it first hit New York and we knew it was coming here, if I knew a couple of three things, I would have slept a whole lot better in March and April. <laughs> So one to know that what happened in New York wasn't going to happen here because we closed down before New York could have in that same sequence. Yeah. So the people that had COVID here originally came from New York, like they'd been traveling and then not knowing how rapidly it would spread here. Uh, if the same thing had happened here that happened in New York, our hospitals and intensive care units would have been overrun. So we spent hundreds of hours preparing to take care of patients in the football field and stadiums, things like that, that didn't mm -hmm. come to pass, which is yeah, good. That's great. This, if, I, if I'd known that the personal protective equipment would be replenished faster than we anticipated it would be, again, I'd slept better. So those two things, if I'd known that and that it was gonna last 15 months rather than a few months, the, the marathon would have started as a marathon, not a, we started as a sprint. And so people sprinted really well, but then they got really tired and then they got to keep on running. So those three things, if I'd known them, the first couple of months would have been different. But if, if they would have been different, then I would have missed some learning opportunities that I got. Yeah. <laughs> and so part of the faith discussion is that those issues that were so unknown you know, we're, we had, we would go through 12,000 masks a day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we didn't have enough to last weeks. The, the, the anxieties, the, the stress that I felt trying to provide that for the people that I work with were pretty significant, mm -hmm. but it, it made my faith go to a different level because I had to depend on God to not that he was going to provide the mass necessarily, but he provided me the opportunity to know that nothing's going to separate me from God's love and that we walk through each day with decisions that we make based on that. And that's it. And yeah. so I, the, um, that relationship intensified then. And if I'd known these, it probably wouldn't have, I would have missed that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I also pulled out all the stops to do crisis management. Everything I learned in crisis management, be decisive, take action, communicate well, yeah. do all, you know. Uh, and um, <clears throat> then I realized in June or July, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And you need to conserve your energy and to have a realistic uh, 
um, message for people working for me to say, hey, we have another seven months to go. So just do it uh, at a pace that we can keep it up. Yeah. Um, so it was a realization about a month ago, like this is not going away. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I did also pull out, you know, pull out all the uh, verses that carried me through other times, uh, like Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine, uh, uh, which is my grace is sufficient for you. Um, and just to remind myself of all those places where God is prepared for these times where we're out of, out of stamina and out of energy. And yeah. One of the things I started doing just happened uh, probably mid-April is when people would send me encouraging notes, I, I wrote them down in a place and just like wrote their name down without a lot of other information. And then yeah, yeah, periodically yeah. I would go back and look at it just to be encouraged. Yeah, yeah. I got a wonderful letter from a nine-year-old girl in New Jersey, just out of the blue. She sent it, it came to my house and said that she knew of me through some other means and her family was praying for me at dinner each night. Oh, wow. And okay. this was her favorite Bible verse, and she told me what it was, and she sent me a bookmark. Huh. And I have that bookmark in my Psalms book now. Yeah. Things like that, that that happened to all of us. Again, without this opportunity, we wouldn't have seen that or felt that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that this whole year, you know, in my family, we started the year out in Indonesia on a Fulbright and actually transitioned back to the States when everything got shut down in March. And it really has, as you said, you know, if we could look back and we knew what a marathon it would be, obviously we, we would have done a lot of things differently as this year has progressed. You know, it's looked a little different shifting in higher ed than it has for UNFT, obviously. But I do think that there is this opportunity, you know, maybe not in suffering, but certainly in a state of anxiety or stress, that we have this opportunity for perseverance and perseverance in love and perseverance in, you know, the things of God that build hope and character. You know, we don't want to build character through tough times always. But um, when you think about the, the marathon ahead of us, as we hopefully transition out of COVID-19, that is coming. We'll get the doctor's advice on that one. And what are some of the challenges that we should be preparing for you know, both in our, our workplaces and at the, you know, educational institutions that we work at in terms of the emotional, mental, and even spiritual health categories. What are some of the things that you would tell us as the doctor's advice? Yeah, so the, I think for each of the three of us, the people that we work with professionally in different spaces and the personally, our communities that we deal with, the issues are really the same. Mm -hmm. it, ours are intensified because of some of the healthcare and that concern, but the other issues, um, the, the fear of getting the disease, of passing it on, the financial difficulties for lots of families, the childcare and education issues, each of us have people that we deal with, that, that's an issue. The Black Lives Matter and social unrest and justice, again, all of us. And so the, the people that I work with are in that same kind of space of it's pretty fragile and our emotions are like right out like little tentacles. And it doesn't take a lot for people to get really upset. And so our ability to have grace in how we work with others, to express our love in ways that we can, uh, to be gentle, uh, to be thoughtful, uh, ask other extra times, like our, 
doing okay? How's it, how are the kids? Whatever it might be. We can do that because we have, we have something that grounds us that this isn't changing. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's amazingly simple and amazingly complex at the same time. That's how I feel that way. And so yeah. we, we can step back a little bit and be that person that can ask, like, how are you doing today? Within, with not an intrusive way that maybe a year ago somebody wouldn't have accepted that. But now if you do it gracefully, they'll open up or be able to have a discussion that you couldn't have otherwise. Yeah, that's an opportunity too, right? It's, uh, I think yeah. God's opening some doors for, for conversations about spiritual, mental, emotional health that we would otherwise not have the opportunity to talk no, about. And it's, again, the realization of the marathon that we're another at least six to nine months before we're on the outside of the first part anyway then yeah. these things are going to continue. The, our friends and our family and our people that we work with, these issues aren't going away anytime soon. And so the more we can stay in centrally grounded in our faith, it allows us to do the things that we should be doing anyway. Yeah. And I noticed myself on a really short fuse. Uh, you know, I have to remind myself, wait a minute, don't, don't lose your temper here. You know, <laughs> let your gentleness be evident to all. It's yeah, hard sometimes. I have a, a group of friends that I meet with weekly, and we used to meet in person, and now it's on Zoom. And yeah, yeah, we've talked regularly about how weird it was to be on Zoom the first time. Yeah. Now it just feels like you're talking to them, but you're talking to a hole in the computer. <laughs> and, and each of us, the ability to express to each other that tiredness, that fragility that we have but also help each other stay in the centrality of our faith has really been good. That's really good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you have that, that uh, fellowship, right? I mean, it really becomes meaningful at a period like this. And probably that's an advice for everyone out there who's working to, if you don't have good fellowship to make an effort, even with Zoom or whatever yeah. you're doing to get that fellowship because uh, we all need it. We just, you know, it's overwhelming. Uh, some of the, if you think too much about it, it's completely yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, other than, I mean, I, I love it that when you, you talked about some of the things looking back, you know, six months ago that you didn't see like the PPE availability, those are all the supply chain professor in me is going, yes, all the supply chain issues in the healthcare <laughs> industry are um, definitely mind boggling. And, you know, we, we think about that, you know, what guides us as we navigate these different journeys. And I'd be really interested um, if you would be willing to share just some, maybe some, a guiding scripture in your life that we can learn from today in terms of how do we think about, um, you know, day-to-day -day life, but um, even in this season, I think it's really good to have that scriptural baseline when we think about, you know, the availability issues of supply chain problems, but also the emotional <laughs> challenges. See, I like to, you know, throw it in my, my world. There we go. <laughs> yeah, the, the one I'd go back to, Hannah, is Matthew 22, 36, 7, and 8. A teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the greatest and first commandment. And it's like majoring on the majors. That's it. That's what we're called to do that. And out of that relationship, we have the opportunity to serve God 
in education or finance or healthcare or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm not called to necessarily be a physician. My calling is to God and out of that I can work out my relationship, my reverence for him and the opportunities that he's allowed me to do. But I come back to that verse pretty frequently. Yeah, what do you, can you give us some examples of maybe like what that looks like when you love God with all your heart and all your soul um, in your, your day to day? I mean, you navigate a large organizations in terms of leadership. Um, maybe for some of us looking to move into leadership and, and thinking about how to lead today. Um, what does that look like for you? So I got a couple of thoughts. One would be leadership is really serving. I mean, people write about that a lot and talk about it broadly, but it truly is. You, if you do leadership for your own personal ego or gratification, it's a horrible job. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do it. That's not a good reason to do it. There's no amount of good leadership that truly, if you lead well, should make you feel better. You're serving I'm serving God and out of that I have this opportunity to serve an institution and so that kind of mindset. Uh, from a practical point then um, Tim Keller others talk about uh, it's, it's an often used phrase but it really has a lot of meaning that I, I'm an imperfect being. There are not degrees of imperfectness. All of us are and more than I could ever imagine. And, but at the same time because of my faith I'm more more love than I could ever hope for through Christ. And the more I know that every day, when a person comes to my door and they walk in and they're uh, upset, they're yelling at me, uh, whatever it might be, then I know that. I know they're hurting. Uh, I could be in that same space. Uh, and the grace that I give them or allow them or work with them is really different right now. And to keep on going back to that Matthew verse to the, the, what I've talked about here, uh, to me, the, I, the example I use with some other people I work with is it's an onion. We're all onions. Mm -hmm. And as you peel an onion, some smell at the first couple layers and some it takes a little bit longer to peel it to smell badly, but we all smell badly. <laughs> we just are. And once, if you realize that, then you're, what, when, Pam, you come to my office and start yelling at me for whatever I did wrong in your supply chain, then I'm going to work with you really differently than how I might want to as a human is to yell back at you. Mm -hmm. And so the grace that you can give, the just extra mercy, whatever it might be, then that the times that we're in right now allow us as a Christian to do that in ways that we could never have otherwise, in ways that people will hopefully, it honors God, not me, it honors God and it brings them to him. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, in our own ways, right, I'm on the front line in the business world and all the industrial and service companies I invest in. And Hannah, you're in academia, you're gonna face your students in the big hall and, and Wesley, you have, you wear so many hats. <laughs> There's so many front lines you have to visit that uh, it's really great to spend some time like this to be reminded of your, the priority of the love God uh, above everything else and uh, kind of to feel enriched by this and I hope anyone listening to this will feel enriched too that we have we're not here just to yeah to uh, get get the biggest bonus or to, to succeed in something uh, but to 
uh, serve God in, in whatever front line we're going back to. You know, it's like um, we just left our trenches for half an hour for a chat and going back to the trenches here. Yeah. Blessed, blessed and hopefully overflowing with, with, uh, with grace. Yes. No. So thank you for the opportunity to visit with you and just share a few thoughts and learn things from both of you. I know we're all going through similar opportunities and challenges right now, both personally with our extended families and with the people that we work with. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think before we close, um, maybe if there's one thing that we could take away from our our conversation today to do tomorrow or to do in an hour when we go back into the office or back to work. Um, what is one thing that you would say, do this today um, based on our conversation? Uh, for me, it would be listen. Mm -hmm. Listen hard. And that means people that you interact with in the hallway, in your office, on Zoom, uh, just listen extra because there's going to be a, a, often a hurting there that you wouldn't have heard before. Yeah. And then you have a chance to respond in many, many different ways. So just listen. That's really good. Um, thank you so much for just sharing your insights with us. I think that that opportunity to listen and the, the opportunity to really be purposeful with the grace we extend to the people around us is really critical in this season. So I, I really took that away from what you said as well as we love God and reflect his grace for us individually. There's a great opportunity. Um, and FT, like maybe there's one uh, thing that you took away from this. And then if you don't mind, would you mind closing us in, sure, in sure. prayer? Uh, and the one thing I, I'm, re I, um, Wesley, thank you, you reminded me. I need to, uh, my men's group took a break. I need to get them back. Yeah. <laughs> we got to restart our Zoom. So yeah. what I took away it's for everyone to yeah. get your fellowship groups together and start interacting. You need it right now. So, um, and so let's, let's uh, thank you very much for, for coming on today. And uh, let me just end with a word of prayer. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Father. We are, um, I'm so enriched by doing this and uh, I hope that people who are listening are, uh, will benefit as well. I pray Father that we are, uh, have the courage um, to uh, live our faith. And in a sense, every one of us, whether we are at home or working or uh, jobless or looking after our family, we're all in the foxhole and there are no, no atheists in foxholes. Uh, and as people search for reasons why this is happening and offer help, um, that we can with courage share the gospel and uh, help people to understand that they have a God who is, who created us all, who has uh, shown us his love by letting his son die for us. It's a perfect God who is wise, who's good, who loves us, who's, who is present, who knows everything and that uh, people can trust him. So I pray, Father, that we will take this opportunity whenever we see it to share the gospel. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you again for joining us. Thank um, Dr. You guys. Burke, it's nice to see you. It's really great to talk right. with you. And um, to anybody listening, um, we hope you continue to tune in for Integrate Faith and Innovate, a podcast on how to live our faith and our, our love for God that we're called to in Matthew 22 every day in our work. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Good to see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.